Tickets? Check. Popcorn and beverage? Check. It's showtime. Local talk that's moving the needle. From the iHub Radio Screening Room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whenever you get to listen to this episode, I hope I hope you have a good whatever time of day you're having. You're listening to Flicks and Picks. I'm your host, Brian Mendoza, and we have a lot to talk about. We have a couple movies to catch up on. Um, unfortunately, Emma wasn't released in any local theater, so I couldn't talk about Emma this week. I really wanted to talk about Emma, but I didn't get to see it because, well, no local theater has it so far because of because uh, of the fact that it is a one of those movies that has a limited release in Los Angeles, and then it's going to come over here. So bear in mind that I, I did intend to watch Emma, but... We'll talk about that next week, of course. I really wanted to talk about that movie because I'm actually reading the book. So I'm, I'm really, I really love this book. So for me, Emma would have been an interesting film to watch. It would have been different from the two movies I watched this week. Um, we're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, a movie that I missed out on last week because I talked about the Academy Awards. But I'm, supr- but I'm so happy that I waited because talking about Sonic the Hedgehog is going to be a fun experience. Trust me. And then Call of the Wild is another movie I saw. And, you know, the funny thing is I was kind of hoping for the worst on both movies and then kind of came out pleasantly surprised on both ends. So why don't we talk about it? Why don't we talk about that? And then I'll talk about a a few movie news articles that have come out, including uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman design, how I kind of think it's actually a pretty cool design. And... Sonic the Hedgehog news because there is actual news involving Sonic the Hedgehog that doesn't necessarily involve reviewing it. So we'll talk about that in the next segment. But right now, let's talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, the actual movie. Now, for those of you who don't know who Sonic the Hedgehog is, he is a hedgehog, a blue hedgehog who can run really fast. You know, his catchphrase is gotta go fast and he is a 19 he is a video game character from a 1990 video game called sonic the hedgehog and this video game franchise has gone through such an evolution i just got to give some context it was originally just a side scroller where you just run and run and run and you kind of have to avoid obstacles and the idea is to run so fast it's it's part there's speed speed is the emphasis in this game and he has friends like Tails and Knuckles, characters that, uh, cute other characters, and in, he lives in this like fantastical world where there's just so many conveniences, like so many ramps and overlaps to make him run through. It's such a fantastical, fascinating world in the video game. And he has a rival named Dr. Eggman, who, it, who was called Dr. Robotnik in the American version of it when it was brought to the United States, but, unfortu- but then... It was always Dr. Eggman. So if you ever think if there's a difference between the two characters, there isn't. But in this movie version, they call him Dr. Robotnik because that's how he's mostly known as in the um, in any American media. So Sonic the Hedgehog was so popular of a video game that it got made into several TV shows, including a Japanese anime that most people I know don't really care for because the American version sucks. The American dub, funny enough, and neat time i use the phrase american version of sonic most people <laughs> do not like that version it's it's interesting and throughout the year sonic the hedgehog was progressively 
uh, there were lots of projects that were trying to make Sonic into a movie. Even in the 90s, even in the 90s, um, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog movie that was proposed, but then it was not scripted beyond that. It, it was just scripted. It, there was nothing beyond that. And then in 2013, Sony Pictures got the rights for it, and then and it just kind of got all... Uh, Paramount Pictures eventually got in 2017, and by 2018 the Sonic cast was officially chosen. And with Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, James Marsden as one of the leads, um, uh, Thomas Michael is actually the name of the character, and Ben Schwartz casted as Sonic, especially, and he has an interesting tale because his version of Sonic the Hedgehog was just a test version. And then they liked his voice so much they kept him around. That's a pretty interesting thing. I, I actually like the fact that they kept... Um, someone that knew the voice and did the voice well enough in tests to uh, over a celebrity. I, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that they did that and that they didn't think to themselves, hey, let's n- let's not actually cast someone who sounds like this. Let's cast someone famous. I appreciate that. I appreciate that they valued a person's talent over a celebrity because they already have Jim Carrey and James Marsden in there. So they don't really need a celebrity to voice Sonic, even though... Um, even though it wouldn't hurt, I guess, financially to do so, but I actually appreciate this. But Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie's getting made and everything, and then there is a trailer that came out. And the trailer came out in in 2019, uh, because it was originally supposed to be November 8th, 2019, that the movie was supposed to come out, but then it got delayed because the trailer was so bad because Sonic the Hedgehog did not look like the character from the video game he actually looked like this really creepy disgusting looking blue thing and it was just horrible it had human teeth it had it was so weird like they were trying to be realistic but then it came off as uncanny valley just awful and then sonic the hedgehog the movie was postponed yet again so they can redesign it and the trailer for it that came out a couple months ago the new one it was an improvement and it really shows how much this movie benefits from the new so- from the Sonic the Hedgehog redesign and i got to say i had to tell you all of this to tell you that was it worth it i actually think it was sonic the hedgehog is a movie that follows sonic as he navigates through different worlds and ends up on earth and so he teams up with a local town sheriff named tom and he has to find and reclaim his lost rings and escape the grasp of Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik basically wants to kidnap him and use him for his experiments, I assume. Just know that Dr. Robotnik just wants to kidnap Sonic. That's all you have to know. Um, and so Sonic runs and runs and does his own... and. And that's his power right there. He just is super fast. And he has sort of an interesting, um, he discovers his powers as the movie goes on. So you'll see, if you're a big fan of the video games, you'll see those powers come to light. And Sonic and Tom have to get to San Francisco to find the rings before anything else happens. And I got to say, I had a good time with this movie. I actually do think this type of movie could work. It is, of course, a buddy buddy cop movie about a hedgehog and a cop just sort of it's a buddy road trip movie 
and I think it's actually a really nice movie. I actually enjoyed Sonic the Hedgehog. I think there's a lot of really strong things in this movie. I would say the strongest thing about it are not is the design of Sonic. He looks nice. He actually looks like he fits into this universe. And he, sure, he looks a little cartoony, but. I actually appreciate that. I actually appreciate that he looks a little different from ev- from everything else in this world and that there's something kind of cute and, you know, endearing about his design. And he is the real star of the movie. That's the thing is that I think that the design of Sonic really did save this movie. And Ben Schwartz, who does the voice of Sonic, really does a great job of fitting this design with his voice. And there's a sweetness and a kindness to his to the vocal performance that other Sonic iterations never had. Sonic has always been known for being cocky, and I appreciate that in this this time around, they actually have to build his character up because his character is lonely on Earth for the most part. Before he discovers Tom, he is actually a very lonely character, and part of his arc is to find a place in the in his own on Earth to belong to. And I think a lot of children will relate to that. And I think a lot of adults can relate to this message too. And I think that a lot of people who grew up on Sonic are video gamers. And and they, I don't want to make assumptions, but I've been around video gamers and they sometimes feel like video games are a nice escape from the real world. How sometimes it can just be so stressful, like you're having an exam and you just want to play a quick game to get away from that. And I think Sonic the Hedgehog does a really good job of capturing that. But I also feel like the character of Sonic is well done enough and well written enough that he can re- you can relate to him be feeling lonely and wanting to sort of escape because he literally does want to escape Earth when he gets caught in the movie and eventually finding that sense of belonging. And I think that that's actually a really cool message that Sonic pushes in this movie. And I think a lot of kids and a lot of adults who grew up on Sonic will actually appreciate it. Um, outside of that, I would also say another great thing that this movie ha- has on it in its corner is Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is so funny in this movie as Dr. Robotnik. Now, he is not very similar to the Dr. Robotnik in any form, in any medium. He's not super different, but he is very Jim Carrey-esque in his performance. And it really benefits the movie. I think that there is a lot to be said about his performance. He is funny. He clearly improvises and knows how to improvise. He has such a good time, but he's also just unapologetically evil in the right way. I think he really knows how to come across as hilarious, but an actual posable threat to Sonic. And I think that that's a really fine line to kind of play around with that Jim Carrey knows how to do it. And and I'm really happy that Jim Carrey got to do this part. And towards the end of the movie, when he becomes more like the Dr. Robotnik we know in the video games, he really knows how to deliver that, too. It's, I think this movie does a really good job of being faithful to its source material. It doesn't take place in Sonic's world, which I guess would be a problem because Sonic's video games take place in this fantastical fantasy world. And we only get a glimpse of that in this movie in the beginning and in parts of the, in some parts of the movie, not just the beginning. I'm not going to spoil it. But... Um, I like the fact that there is a faithfulness here, regardless of how the characters act, the lore. And I like the fact that they have to accommodate certain things like the rings to kind of um, make sense for the film's universe. So I appreciate that because the rings in the video games are just mostly like you collect the rings to kind of go faster. And if you get hit, you lose rings. And they're kind of meant to be like a measure of your life on the on the video game. It's supposed to. And if you lose all your rings, you are more likely to die in the game. 
And I think that's actually a really interesting take is that the rings themselves are things that can transport you to other worlds, almost like transporting you to the next level. And I think that's actually a pretty neat accommodation that the film makes. So you have three, so those three things, the design, Jim Carrey, and I also think the adaptation itself are pretty solid. And so if you have any doubts about watching this movie, Please cast those out. I know this movie has made enough, has made a lot of money in its opening weekend. So it shows that there are people that are going to show up. I think Sonic the Hedgehog is a movie that I think should be awarded with financially because it is a very good video game movie. I and I mean this nicely because video game movies are just notorious for just being bad. They really are known for being bad movies and so for this one to be good is an accomplishment in and itself so this and pikachu from last year are both solid movies with good acting good writing and they're really good at adapting their source material so i want to talk a little bit more about sonic and especially the box office and what it means for video game movies so we're gonna save the second half of this review for the next segment stay tuned You're listening to Flicks and Picks with me, Brian Mendoza, on iHub Radio. from the Coachella Valley. He calls it as he sees it. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza on iHub Radio. Now, I think a couple of you have heard this before, and if you haven't, well, I wonder what you'll think about this news. Sonic the Hedgehog has grossed over $86.7 million in the United States, and and has a worldwide gross of 137 million dollars and what this means is that on its opening weekend it it actually had the highest opening weekend for any movie based on a video game and that to me is very is a very good sign for the industry when it comes to adapting video game movies Uh, video games in general or making movies about video games or inspired by you know you don't have to adapt a video game like in the case of final fantasy the spirits within that was more inspired by but we'll have that debate another day since i have a couple friends on my facebook who actually don't really like to count that one but we'll have a debate about that one day um the thing is that sonic the hedgehog in my opinion, is very deserving of having this much financial recognition because it is good. And another thing I want to say, and and I do want to kind of give some criticism towards Sonic in general, it isn't the most original plot. Again, it's just a fun buddy, buddy movie where they go on a road trip. It's not really like anything groundbreaking and i and i want a sequel to happen because i do want to see the more fantastical fantasy um video game elements 
the world that Sonic lives in, you know, the, the fantasy world that Sonic inhabits in the video games is not the real world. I want to see that. I honestly do genuinely want to see that in the movies. So for me, a sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog would be a pretty cool thing to do. And so for me, another thing I would say against Sonic was that it's it has some derivative moments like the because the Sonic runs so fast. So there are scenes in the movie where um, it's kind of like the Quicksilver scene in X-Men Days of Future Past where everything sort of stops and he moves like the only character that's moving normally would be the fast character and he kind of manipulates things to kind of go one way and then halfway through and then at the end of it um he ever he stops running fast or stops being fast and everything just sort of you know the consequences of his manipulation happen it's kind of an int- it's one of those things where you have to watch it so uh, just for reference please watch quicksilver scene on youtube or something from days of future past and also the fact that you play like um pop music or like in a rock music during that sequence is also taken here so i think sonic the hedgehog kind of gets hurt by that and that's okay i mean those are the only criticisms that i would even have for the movie is that it's not as original as it should be but it's fun and i think that that's what i got the most out of it i had fun and i also want to say that james marsden and tika sumter the fact that they're able to still be likable and have their own like I would say witty comments alongside Jim Carrey is pretty remarkable on its own. The fact that Jim Carrey is not, doesn't outstage everybody in a flamboyant way. Like, I don't want to say it in a bad way. Like he does outstage everybody, but he doesn't, he's not the only great thing about it in terms of humans in the story that the other human characters like James Marsden and, uh, Tika Sumter that they're actually able to compete with him on screen and it's fun it, they have a real camaraderie together same with Ben Schwartz so it's a good cast and I'm actually really excited for a sequel and the financial success of this movie would guarantee that sequel so for me I'm more likely to be invested in the upcoming sequel that's the only, I think another criticism but also a good thing too I want to see a sequel to Sonic I really want to see where they'll take the this universe and if they're going to go back to the fantastical and i say that a lot on this show right now on the whimsical world that sonic inhabits in the video games i do want to see that again i would i hope people support this movie i want the support for it especially considering that this has been a year with a lot of big flops like do little and movies that have underperformed like birds of prey which i want to talk about next week because i kind of want to see how the box office goes and see if I kind of want to see if people are supporting it. You know, there's a lot of support for Birds of Prey, but we'll talk about that a little bit later towards the end of the show. But I think Sonic the Hedgehog should, it, to see it be the the big success of the year so far, it's remarkable. And especially since this movie had such a turbulent marketing disaster to begin to work with. And, and I'm very happy to hear that. So I definitely want to say I give Sonic the Hedgehog three stars. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Jim Carrey's hilarious in it. Uh, and Sonic himself is a really likable, wonderfully written character. And sure, it's not super original, but I had fun. And also the mid credit sequence blew me away. Like, I am I actually know what Sonic the Hedgehog is, and I played the video game, so I might be a little biased. But there's a mid credit sequence. Um 
please stay for it. I actually think it was really cool. In my, in my um, audience, everyone was clapping and having a good time with that mid-credit sequence. And everyone laughed during the actual jokes too. Don't get me wrong, but the mid-credit sequence really got everyone excited for a sequel. And I'm not going to say who, what it is or who's in it, but uh, boy... <laughs> I was so excited after that, and I honestly want to, I want to see a sequel. So Sonic the Hedgehog is a good, fun movie with good performances in it, and the character of Sonic is lovable. I would say that it is worth a watch. Please watch it if you, even if you're not familiar with the video games, and that mid-credit sequence is going to get you excited for a sequel. I want to see a sequel. So three out of four stars. I can't wait for the better for a sequel for this movie. And we'll talk about it when it comes out. But stay tuned. We're all going to talk about Call of the Wild, a movie with an equally polarizing CGI disaster for marketing. But we'll talk about that movie as if it's any good. Stay tuned. You're listening to Flicks and Picks. I'm Brian Mendoza on iHub Radio. iHub Radio, reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley. Homemade for the rest of us. From the iHub Radio Screening Room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Call of the Wild has officially been released this week, and. <laughs> okay, so I actually will say. I'm just going to be a little bit less history, historical in my analysis of this film, but. Um, this is the, I would say, fourth or fifth adaptation of this novel. The original novel was um, by Jack London and was actually a, and I actually read it pretty recently. I actually read it before I saw the movie. Um, it's a short adventure novel basically that follows this dog named Buck as he is uh, basically stolen from his pampered life in California to live out in the, um, in the snow over in Alaska. He actually lives out over there and he has to deal with various adventures and each and there's a, and various owners who kind of don't treat him very well or they're not the best at treating dogs and basically he befriends an older man by the end of the novel and um as it as his friendship with this man goes, he kind of is conflicted between living a domesticated life and a life in the wild, basically heeding the call of the wild. Call of the Wild is a fascinating movie to me because it takes the story basically that is super violent and super dark and kind of makes it into a sort of like a man and his dog type of movie when it's really not like that at all. Actually, the second half of the movie is more like that than anything. I would say that the story of Call of the Wild is one of those um, it's one of those stories that's kind of hard to adapt on film because when you read the book, it's from the point of view of the dog and the dog doesn't narrate the story, but his emotions are there. The character, the dog kind of acts more human like in his emotions than how I would expect the dog would think of. I suppose I'm not entirely sure how a dog would react to many of the situations present in the story, but there is a lot of like human esque anthropomorphic 
anthropomorphize. Um, I got to learn how to say that word eventually. But human qualities that these animals have in the story, you know. And I would say that Call of the Wild is one of those not is one of those novels that when you turn it into a movie you kind of have to focus a little bit more on the human characters than you would like or have narration or have something that would kind of indicate to the audience what's going on in the mind of this dog and the original 1935 movie did that uh, the 1923 movie did that too and in then the 70s and 2009 version which you know, I kind of didn't like either one of those versions either. None of the versions of Call of the Wild really capture that brilliance of the novel, how this dog loses his domesticality and becomes a wild animal by the end of the story. It's none of them really capture that. And I feel like a lot of them want to sort of focus so much on John Throden, who is the hum- the only real human connection the dog has in the book so what is the story of call of the wild about the newest version it's basically the same thing a dog named buck is stolen from his home in california and he is sent to in this case canada and he befriends an older man named john throden and they go on a life-changing adventure and before then he is actually before he becomes friends with John Throden, he actually becomes the lead of a sled team led by a man named Perot and a woman named Francois. And they're both played by Omar, uh, Omar Sy and Cara G in that movie. And Harrison Ford gets to play John Throden, the old man he meets in the later half of the story. So it's, it's interesting because this movie's kind of divided in two halves. One, the first half is essentially... Um, Buck having to go through various owners and various um, jobs to event and with the second half being about his relationship with John Throden and escaping the clutches of Dan Stevens's Hall, who was one of the previous owners who wants to kill him, essentially. And by the way, Stan Stevens chose the scenery. It is so wonderful. And I mean this most sincerely. It is wonderful to watch Stan Stevens chew up the scenery. He is, this is, this is the type of performance that I live for sometimes. But I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want to spoil that his character too much. But he is a mustache twirling villain that is so flamboyant. I love it. And, I, and if anything, you got to see this movie for that. But overall, what are my thoughts in, on Call of the Wild? Um, I actually like this movie, but I don't love it. And I got to say that I think I had a less of a good time watching this movie over Sonic. And it's funny because this was a very entertaining movie in terms of its action sequences. And I think that it really is sincere. It is trying to be a sincere effort in terms of showing a real friendship between the Harrison Ford character, John Throden, and the dog, Buck. It really wants to be sincere. It is sweet. It, it has a real kindness to it that a lot of movies don't really try to aim for. And I'm not to say that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's the type of earnestness that a movie like Little Women really succeeded at. But I think where Little Women succeeded was that it really was a great movie too and that it didn't have anything glaring or anything wrong with it also i think little women the book adapts really well to film whereas call of the wild is a little bit more difficult to do so but it's not impossible 
but it's it's interesting because this version of Call of the Wild is probably the best version of the bunch because it feels it feels a little bit closer to the book, but it also is it, it tries to capture a lot of essences about the what the novel was about which was how a dog goes back into nature, that sort of story of your hero having to go back into nature and use its instincts instead of its nurture and its upbringing to sort of succeed. It's a very good, it's a good, it's a good attempt at a great story. And Chris Sanders really knows how to direct this movie. He knows how, he knows how to make sincere moments come across as they might come across cheesy to some people, but but not to me. They come across like it's actually well thought out. And also, I think that he knows how to make it easy for the audience to sympathize with certain characters. And I, and I think he changes a lot of things from the novel to make certain characters that come across as a little bit abusive nowadays come across as a lot nicer now. So, for example, um, there are two characters in the novel that that aren't abusive necessarily but they have abusive tendencies i guess like they don't let the dogs rest even though they should rest and in the novel in the movie they make them a little bit more likable and make it to where the dogs have some rest it's one of those things where reading the book and watching the movie you really see the censorship you know you really see how much more tame it is so it is a tame adaptation i would say but if there's one element that this movie has that really prevents it from being a really great movie and just, I would say, I would say it's more okay than good, it would be the CGI. The animals in this movie are portrayed with CGI and it is possible to make them look realistic. The Lion King proved it and even the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that movie proved it as well. That you can have human characters interact with animals even if and still have them be super expressive and look real. But there is something really uncanny about this uh, CGI that I'm not entirely happy with. I feel like it's distracting and there are times where it really shows like the, in the beginning of the movie with the lighting, it just when the California lighting really, and I mean this really shows, it really shows when you're watching it, that the film had that the, they weren't quite ready to, take a hum a dog and make it into a CGI character. There's a movie on Disney Plus that's really good called Togo and I'll actually talk about that next week more in detail cuz I want to focus more on this. But that movie uses a real dog with CGI to do some of the more dangerous stunts. Of course, they can't put a dog through anything that the Call of the Wild book requires it to do. You can't beat an actual dog is what I'm saying because in the novel, the dog gets beaten so often that essentially 50 pages of it is animal abuse. But you can't do that to a real animal, but CGI could help for those scenes and then use a real animal for the majority of it, the majority of the sweet scenes, and actually have Harrison Ford around a dog that can actually act. It's difficult to do this, and it leads into a lot of questions of the morality of dogs in movies. You know, can we use real animals in movies? Is it ethical to do so? And it does. It, it kind of this movie's a bad case against that because the CGI doesn't help the movie. It actually makes it feel like I'm not connected to this dog. Like when the dog gets hit in the movie because it's CGI, I'm not entirely, 
I'm not entirely shocked or saddened by that. My audience was happy. We're quite content with it. And there was a little girl in the audience. I don't know if we went to the same screening, but if you are listening, if your little girl cried in the movie three times because she thought the dog died, I was sitting next to you and I thought that was the sweetest thing. I just wanted to let you know in case in, in case you're here listening. I wanted to say something. I wanted to say how sweet it was, but uh, that your daughter made the experience a lot more pleasant for me. But I didn't think that was appropriate, honestly. But the that was so sweet. She was crying. It was just a fun experience, you know. Sometimes I like to talk about my experiences when I go to the movies. Go to the movies sometime with a crowd at night. You have an entirely unique experience than if you went to the morning like I do sometimes. But so it works for some people, and I think it works for children. And I think for this movie, children are an ideal audience for them. It is sweet for them, and the CG animal, they won't notice it all that much, but you will. And I think that when the dog gets hit, I didn't feel the impact for it, but the dog, I will say, outside of the uncanny valleyness, the the CGI on the dog in his face is kind of funny. It is cartoony, but it is expressive enough that I got a, they got across in this film the emotions that the dog goes through, and even though he does have a more human face show quality to him, um, it, 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 it works for the, it's not super distracting. It's, I have mixed feelings about this. There are so many moments where it's distracting, but then for the most part, I'm kind of okay with it. So his scenes with Harrison Ford are what saved the movie. This movie would not be as good without Harrison Ford's brilliant performance as John Throden. He is such a good dramatic actor. He really knows how to interact with the CGI animal and his monologue and his narrating is just so powerful. He really knows how to really give a good performance as John Throden, an alcoholic man who has his own demons after his son got killed and having to rebuild his friend and having to rebuild a connection with another being which includes um, Buck. And I think that it's actually a really sweet performance. And I think that if you're going to watch this movie, please watch it for Harrison Ford. He is really good. This is one of his best performances. And in some ways, I honestly think he should retire from acting because this is a really good performance to end your career on. But he's going to go do Indiana Jones and it's great because this is the first movie I've seen him in in a while that he actually cares. And you can see he really cares and he gives a strong performance. It's too bad that the movie isn't great enough that he can't get like an awards nomination for it. Because he really saves the movie and I think he's that good. It's, it's such a shame. But you know what? I'll give it three stars. I think it's Harrison Ford really saves the movie and, it tr and it's really sincere and it really tries. But the CGI and the dog really bothers me at times but i think that the dog itself when it interacts with harrison ford is endearing so i can forgive it on that end so three stars for call of the wild it really tries but it's not quite as great as it should be but harrison ford saves it stay tuned we'll talk more about movie news on flicks and picks when you want to know what happened and why and what's next in the coachella valley come here iHub Radio, the local news talk authority. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Now here's Brian Mendoza. 
couple of movie news we're going to talk about in this last segment. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Billie Eilish, who is a very talented 18-year-old singer who won a lot of Grammys and actually was the first woman to win that many Grammys, from my understanding, she won a lot of... She won a certain amount of Grammys, and so she actually made a... um, Bond theme. She's actually the one in charge of the Bond theme this time around for No Time to Die. And I'm actually really excited for the fact that this movie's coming out because I actually think it looks pretty good. But her rendition of No Time to Die is very good. Very solid. I actually enjoy it. So please consider listening to it. Um, I liked it. So seal of approval it's definitely different from other bond themes and some people will always complain about the newest bond theme and i mean this they're always complaining like it's too different oh it's too similar there's, there's no winning bond themes it, it fits it fits this is the final one that daniel craig's gonna make so this type of bond theme makes sense a little bit it, it, she kills the hideout in this one it's a very solid theme song, so check it out. It is, it is doing really well in the Billboard 100. It is pretty. It's doing pretty well, so I definitely want you to support it. It's a good song. But another thing that's uh, two positive stories I have: the director of Birds of Prey, Kathy Yan, is actually really happy with you. And what that? What does that say? So there is a hashtag going around on Twitter. So hashtags on Twitter, well, it takes forever to kind of explain what it means, but basically it's something that you put a hashtag or like the pound symbol before, um, before a phrase and everyone gets to see it. it you kind of can find it's, it's, it's one way to organize things, but, um, you could also start trends. So the hashtag reasons to support BLP, which stands for birds of prey. She's actually very happy to see that. Um, what this means is that there's the movie Birds of Prey underperformed at the box office and it got a lot of, and it got some negative press, not a whole lot. It actually got some pretty decent reviews, but some, but there is a lot of speculation about why it didn't do so well at the box office, even though the even though everyone kept praising Harley Quinn as the one good thing in Suicide Squad, it, a lot of people are having conflicts about why a lot of movies around women have been having a bit of trouble at the box office lately. And even Little Women, you know, it did well. It actually did pretty well. It's just it wasn't as – I honestly think Little Women should be a billion-dollar movie is what I'm saying. But – and our next – and the other movie I'm talking about, I think those types of movies we should make a billion dollars. But Birds of Prey, people were speculating it would make a lot of money. And they were saying, you know, we got to support a movie like Birds of Prey. It's giving a lot of women work. It's also an example of a good movie in the DCEU that people liked. So she's noticing. And I want to make it clear. Filmmakers do appreciate your support. So it's good that if you do want to support a movie that you are vocal about it. It is important to be vocalizing your support for movies and to go out of your way to do it. If you really want to support a piece of art, do it. It's important, and I. Th- it's not only important to do it with your dollars. Like, go see a movie twice if you really want to support it. Take people with you. I took people to go see Little Women and Parasite. I wanted to support those movies, so I did. And I also think about posting it on social media. It's important. So 
I'm going to go see Birds of Prey. I just haven't had the chance to see it. And I felt like I was going to, um, I kind of wanted to review Birds of Prey alongside Emma because they're, we're going to have a lot of female centric movies next week, like Emma, um, the invisible man and Birds of Prey. So it made sense to put it with those episodes. So I am going to support this movie. I'll buy a ticket myself because I do want to be supporting a movie like Birds of Prey. And I think that it's important to support movies directed by women and feature women, especially considering that a lot of times in Hollywood, they're perceived as not making enough money, which is, you know, I think movies should just make money based on its quality. You don't have, and but it's important also to look at the nuances, you know, like ideally it would be a wonderful thing if that was how the real world worked. But I've seen movies directed by men that are just terrible and they get a lot of money. And then movies like Birds of Prey that people do enjoy get not as much money as they should but i want to support it i'm convinced they they are doing such good work out there if you really believe in a movie do it even if i don't like the movie if you really believe in the movie support it vocalize it go out and do it that's my little soapbox for the day (laughs) i know this is a movie review show but you know film has its own politics too we kind of have to address that as well um so also, Parasite, the ticket sales for Parasite has have actually increased over 200% following the history-making Oscar win. So winning an Oscar does actually mean something. So 200%, that's actually really good. If you haven't seen Parasite, you're missing out. Please go see it. Um, go see Parasite. I it It's really, it truly deserved Best Picture at the Oscars. And it got tied with my number one for favorite movie of the year. So go watch it. If you haven't seen it, you're not going to you're not going to be part of the discourse on film any if you're not going to watch it i'm just saying you know uh, it's not, not i don't want to be that mean person but you're not going to you're going to be left behind in the discourse um by the way no time to die china premiere got canceled because of the coronavirus understandable but it is going to hurt its financial prospects um there is a leaked photo of robert Pattinson as batman i think we have to i think it actually looks pretty good but I will the at least the first look in the um, trailer that we have, but the set photos in which we see like a stunt double performing it with the suit. Bear in mind there are separate suits for stunt doubles and for actors. Stunt doubles you're not supposed to see the whole thing, and I want you to bear in mind that I think Robert Pattinson's suit looks like a pretty good. It looks pretty good. I just hope that and I in lighting matters and editing matters. So I will say that the bat suit looks fine, but please reserve judgment for the fact that it is a stunt double suit and those types of suits do have less details on them because they're made to do stunts as opposed to like the Batman suit that Robin Pattinson has to wear in his acting scenes and his dramatic scenes, I mean. So before we judge it, please please wait until the movie comes out or a trailer comes out for it, an actual trailer, because set photos look bad to begin with. Even this, the photos for Shazam and Wonder, and Wonder Woman, people hated those. And then when the movie came out, they were pretty good. So, I mean, I think we should not judge a movie too quickly based on out-of-context set photos for stunt double work. And stunt double work, you got to make accommodations when you do stunts in heavy outfits, because those outfits are not going to be super heavy or super detailed so reserve some judgment i think it looks fine for what it is it's an interesting concept an interesting idea for me go and i hope to support the batman next year when it actually comes out because i think ron pattison's a pretty good actor and he can pull it off 
Thank you for listening to Flicks and Picks. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, between the two movies, I think you should go see Sonic and support that movie. I want to see a sequel to it. Call of the Wild is a fun movie, so if you're not interested in the video game character of Sonic and his world, Call of the Wild is not a terrible movie, but honestly, if the CGI is too distracting, go see Sonic, because Sonic literally has better CGI, and I think it's a better movie between the two, funny enough. Thank you for listening. Go watch a great movie on my behalf. Thank you.